Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the I Brew My Own Coffee podcast. This is episode 21, the second part of our conversation with Steve Reinhardt, brand lead at Prima Coffee. Last week was episode 20. It's where we began our conversation, and we were discussing different brewing methods in regards to how to get started in manual brewing. So we continue in this episode with that conversation where we discuss grinders, kettles, and scales, and some various other items that might come in handy as you prepare or perhaps upgrade your ability to brew coffee at home. Without any further ado, episode 21, Manual Brewing Part 2 with Steve Reinhardt. If you're going to invest some amount of money in a product for coffee brewing at home, the grinder has to be, in in my mind, it has to be one of the most uh, costly purchases that you make, you know, relative to the rest of your setup. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the consistency of the grind, uh, the repeatability of finding a grind setting and being able to get back to it repeatedly, um, just you know, in general is going to be, uh, probably one of the most impactful things on your brewing at home. There's this whole discussion about blade versus burr grinders, and maybe that's a good place to start. Like why Steve, why would you, why would you pick a burr grinder specifically, whether it's a hand grinder or a, or an electric option? Why would you pick a burr grinder over a blade grinder? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Gosh, it's almost as if I could write an entire blog post about this. I did. <laughs> you did. Um, <laughs> which we'll link to in the show notes. So, um, yeah, I mean, the blade grinder is probably the the grinder that most people are familiar with. Um, you know, they're super common. They're really cheap. Um, you know, you can buy them. I mean, geez, you can buy them in a grocery store in a lot of places. Um, so I, I kind of look at it like... Um, like, let's say you want to make uh, a nice, fancy dinner for your your significant other or something. It's your anniversary or whatever. Now, the the tools that you have at your disposal for chopping up some beautiful vegetables or whatever are a nice, sharp chef's knife uh, or a rock that you pulled out of the garden. <laughs> the rock is the blade grinder. Um, you have a, a metal blade. It's not even really that sharp. It spins around at high speeds. And it's super inaccurate. It just pulverizes whatever it hits, and you're going to get like little particle sizes all over the place. They're not going to be very consistent in size. You're going to get what we call boulders and fines, which are you know really really tiny particles and really really big particles. And the problem there is that they don't extract at the same rate. The water has a harder time fully saturating and extracting stuff out of the big pieces and a really, really easy time extracting stuff out of the really fine pieces. And that means that when those little fine pieces are done extracting, the big ones had like hardly been touched at all. And uh, with coffee, the way it works is, you know, once you start extracting, or once you extract enough of the good stuff, all of a sudden you start extracting this bad stuff. It makes it taste really bitter. Um, you start getting to what we call over-extraction. So if you have particles that are really uneven sizes, you're going to get a really uneven extraction, and that's going to make your coffee taste kind of wonky. Um, so with a blade grinder, you are just pulverizing the, pulverizing the coffee. You're getting all these different particle sizes, and you know that's just going to lead to, to coffee that tastes kind of muddy or uh, super bitter, um, even like astringent, like dries your mouth out. So the, the alternative, of course, is the burr grinder. 
And a burr grinder allows you to set, um, ideally, what are two fairly sharp cutting surfaces. Um, you set the distance between them using whatever your controls are, um, and the beans fall through them. They get cut into gradually smaller pieces until they come out, and they're a specific size that you had set in mind. Now, most consumer grinders are not like per, like perfectly precise, but you know they do a really, really good job as opposed to a blade grinder. So you get a lot more particles that are the same size or similar enough um, that you get a much more even extraction and much more or much better uh, tasting coffee out of it. Um, really, the downside is that most burr grinders are quite a bit more expensive than blade grinders are. But I think you know that's that's just sort of the reality of the market. It's a specialty product um, to to get a good uh, burr grinder, you know, like with sharp burrs and um, with parts that aren't going to fall apart on you. It takes a lot of um, a lot of design and manufacturing costs, and you know. At the in the end, you're looking at an appliance that probably starts around a hundred dollars or so. Sure, and you actually, uh, you know, when you're sort of running down the the way that you got started, um, you mentioned that you had was it the skirtin? Yeah, the Hario skirtin. The Hario skirtin. Right. So, you know, if you're looking to get into a burr grinder um, on the cheap, sort of, you're starting out you're looking for a product that might not be super expensive. Um, these options like the Hario Skirton or the Hario also makes another uh, slim mill, you know, mini hand grinder. Yeah, these they also grind- make, they also make another, uh, I think even two more hand grinders, yes. uh, the canister. Um, and then they have one called the clear, which is just sort of, it almost looks like your old like pencil sharpener. It has like a little rubber suction cup that sticks on the table. Um, but it's like, uh, it's made of a translucent plastic, but it's basically the same internals as the skirtin. Interesting. And and I'm not really sure about those other two price points, but I think on the, on the skirtin and the slim mill options, I'm, I'm going to say they're between 25 and $35. Yeah. Somewhere they're, around there. they're definitely, both of them are under 50 bucks. Um, I believe the mini mill is somewhere around 20 to 25. Um, yeah. skirtin's a little bit more expensive. And, you know, those are, I, I have a, uh, the slim mill at my office that I use in emergencies when I have to, um, I also use it for travel, which is, which is pretty great. Um, you can get decent amount of consistency with, with those grinders. They're a little harder to change settings on repeatedly, um, and get them back to a, to a known good state for whatever brew method that you're using. But as a, as a starting point, that's, that's definitely something that, uh, that is a good option. Now, Brian, I know you have had some experience with some other manufacturers, not just Hario, um, right. for hand grinders. What what uh, what have you been using? There are some great, good quality hand grinders, one of which is Orphan Espresso mm-hmm. makes one, and it's the Lido, and there's a, a, a one, two, and a three for this. There's just different iterations that have come out. And you've had the two and the three, right? Just the three. Oh, you just had I, the three. I had, yeah, I checked out the the two before. Someone at the AeroPress competition was using one, and that's when I really got intrigued by it because um, I had I had another friend uh, we've mentioned on the show before. He he's a big hand grinder fan. He's the one who kind of got me in, into it a little bit more, and I, I just really started to research the fact that the quality of grind consistency 
it, w- it would produce would be comparable to some of the lower grade electric grinders out there. So you kind of want to weigh your options about, you know, do you mind the manual grind? Do you mind the time for for something that's portable for something that's not electric? And so I have the three, which some of the upgrades are about weight or quality of components uh, and the handle and whatnot. And uh, to be honest, though, I'm not spending as much time with it as um, I probably should. Just for me, there are some features that are um, a little less easy to to figure out than, say, uh, some other ones that I've, I've looked at. One of those being the Feld Grind by Knock. And that, that one's a smaller grinder than the Lido. And for that, I think it's a little... I, I use that when I travel a lot. Um, and I think it's a little easier to dial in the different grind settings. Over the last few weeks specifically, I've been able to get a, a lot more range of grind settings out of it consistently. <laughs> so um, I've been really, really pleased with the grind setting. I mean, to the point where I, I feel like I can reliably trust the extraction of cups about as much as I with my electric grinders. The grind consistency is nice. And again, it's 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 portable. And I don't have any qualms with its ease of use compared to an electric grinder, especially with me where I'm, I actually brew less of my coffee at home than I do at work. I brew more at work, but at the same time, I don't want to bring it back and forth on the weekends. I don't, I don't have to deal with those options. Sure. So I, I, I travel, uh, or hand grinder is perfect for somebody like me. And, and this is not to say that, you know, a Hario isn't, uh, isn't a good option to get into, but for, for some people, uh, I always think it is important to to mention a lot of various options because some of the lower price points, they're very easy to get in at those and they will do the job. But in terms of your investment that you're putting in, some people would rather get something that they know is, has got has good quality and, and, and those things factor in as well for, for longevity and to know that they're not going to be like for me, example, um, my heart, my skirt and it doesn't serve me much use anymore. So uh, it, it did like, I, I think I got my miles out of it, but at the same time, if I, if I would have done more research or maybe jumped into maybe a more of a mid grade or, or even higher hand grinder at the time, uh, I wouldn't be looking back and saying, oh, well, I have this. What do I do with it now? Sure. And, and, you know, when somebody's just getting started in specialty coffee, the idea of saving up a whole bunch of money for, you know, even a low price point electric burr grinder or something else like that is probably not going to be what most people start out with. But, you know, as quickly as you start getting into brewing, you start realizing that your grinder is making a big impact on your brewing. So maybe you could pick up a, a better one or maybe your your needs change. So you might need something more portable or you know, whatever you're saying. Um, so, yeah, there there is a whole strata of different uh, price points and levels of quality. So yeah, you could, and I kind of feel like, you know, maybe I'm totally off base here, but I kind of feel like in the, in the, uh, discussion about grinders, you kind of get what you pay for. I mean, I don't, I don't feel yeah, like I there's, agree. I don't feel like there's a, uh, a really expensive grinder that's just, you know, totally beaten by something that's like half the price. I feel like most of the time, the more the more you invest on a grinder, the more quality there is. Kind of like Steve said, 
you know, a lot of design, a lot of, a lot of, uh, thought was put into creating a very precise, uh, instrument there in, in being able to grind the coffee. And that sort of reflects pretty one-to-one, I guess, in the price. So we kind of talked about a few hand options that are, uh, maybe more expensive, the, the orphan espresso and the, the knock, um, products, but what about something that is electric that's maybe not going to break the bank? Like where, if you're going to recommend an electric option, electric burr grinder option to somebody, what would you recommend? Well, I, I should start by saying that, uh, and again, I, I wrote a big post on this, um, on Prima. And I think that there's an important distinction to make if you're looking for a burr grinder. And that is that there are grinders on the market that call themselves burr grinders that are in fact not really what we conventionally think of as a burr grinder. So if I said that a burr grinder should be sharp, it should be like that chef's knife, um, you can find models out there that have what we call false burrs that, you know, they might have a grinding disc, but the primary cutting for on, on that disc are like little protruding nubs. And mm-hmm. those nubs really aren't any better than a blade grinder in most cases. Um, so you kind of have to be careful uh, about what you're getting into. You might want to, you know, if you can open up the grinder and see what the burrs look like on the inside. Or, you know, if you're shopping on like Amazon, sometimes they have photos of the burrs. Um, just make sure that it looks like it's, you know, it looks like it might actually be sharp. Um, cause that's what you, that's what you want for your, you know, a more consistent grind. Um, so as for like entry level, um, really, I think the lowest price point that I would recommend people get into is the Capresso Infinity. Um, it's, I think it's like $80, but you know, it, it can be found at a lot of like big box stores, um, like Bed Bath & Beyond. You know, you can pretty easily get like a 20% off coupon for Bed Bath & Beyond by signing up, I think, for like their newsletter or something. I'm pretty sure they carry the Capresso Infinity, and I'm pretty sure it's almost always on sale. So you can save a bit of money um, getting this grinder. It's got, I think, like 50 or 60 millimeter conical steel burrs. That's great. Um, It's a little flimsy. It's very plasticky. Um, It'll probably last maybe five years um, if you treat it well. Um, but you know, it, if you need to get a starter grinder, that's a perfect place to start. And, you know, you can make under, under a hundred dollars. You can get this thing. Um, it's not the super best quality you can possibly find, but it's good enough to really get into to better quality brewing at home. Um, and I think, you know, moving up from there, there's basically three, three models of grinder at that, like lower tier hovering around hundred. There's the Compresso Infinity, the Bodum Bistro, which is a little bit more expensive, I think it's just over a hundred dollars. Um, it's got some, uh, it's got like a glass grinds container. It's got a couple of other things that make it a little bit more high end, but not really too much better than the Capresso. And then really the hallmark to me is the Barazza Encore. Mm-hmm. Um, Barazza make really some really great products. Um, a lot of their grinders have the same internals, which means that uh, you know they're all kind of coming from the same line of quality. Um, the Encore is their lowest price point. It's like 130 uh, in U.S., obviously. Um, and, uh, you know, the the grind quality that you get out of that, as well as, like, the, the customer support. You know, Capresso and Bodum, they're both these really giant companies. They don't always, you know, you can't, can't even necessarily get a person on the phone if you call them with an issue. Barats is the opposite. Like, they really take care of their customers. Um 
and you know we we sell lots of products at Prima, but I was a fan you know from the instant that I started using that Vario when I got it uh, after I graduated college. Like they are just one of my favorite companies in coffee, and I can't I can't sing their praises enough. I purchased um, the Barazza Preciso or Preciso or however you want to pronounce that name. Um, they say Preciso, I, I say Preciso. Ah, there we go. So, so the Preciso, I purchased that one uh, sort of you know, a couple of years back, and it it did you know about nine months into having it, I had some issues with it, and their support is just great. I I, I have nothing but good things to say about their about their online support, uh, their their product walkthroughs and troubleshooting guides online. You know, you can just see that they are there to like totally help guide you back to a functional grinder again, which is great. Yeah. Um, and I will go back to what Steve had mentioned early on. He, he got his as a refurb. And um, I bring that up because sometimes, uh, well, on Bratz's website, there's a refurb section. And um, when we're talking about quality and getting what you pay for, there are times where you can find that like a next level up grinder for just a little bit more than a new version of whatever the tier lower was. So um, it's always kind of nice if you are shopping Barazza to check that out because you could maybe move up to a Preciso as opposed to an Encore as your entry-level grinder. Right. And I think, uh, so the refurbs get posted to Barazza's website, um, and I'm pretty sure they update it weekly. So there's a pretty, I mean, they won't have every single grinder available as a refurb, but at least, you know, uh, you can very easily find um, the the stock that they have uh, available. Um, I think they update on Tuesdays or something. So, like, you know, just check in every Tuesday and see what they have and see if you can save a little bit of money that way. So there's the there's the preciso preciso sort of in the in the mid mid to high range. Um, is it, would you say, Steve, there's any others in that same kind of category? Some, something that's not super on the cheap, but like right in the, right about in the middle. Um, yeah. Um, well, so that's where you start to get more into like espresso ready grinders. Yeah. Dual um, function. Yeah, exactly. So I see, I see the Preciso as like the lowest end espresso grinder that I would personally recommend to people. Um, I think the, the Ronchilio Rocky is right in that range. I'm not sure how it performs as a drip grinder, though. I know I've seen people talking about using it for drip, but I've never personally used it, so I would hesitate to recommend it for drip. Um, there's not really a lot in that range, though. Um, Do you know what? I recently saw Mark, uh, Coffee Geek, post pictures of a Breville grinder and i don't yeah. know if that was specifically for espresso or if that did both but i thought it looked like it did both do either of you know or know what that price point is well so they have um what is it, the smart grinder so yeah. that's a that's a full range grinder um i have I, that actually for a I while i have not had a chance to use it so i mean i what this, are your thoughts on that yeah so i had the smart grinder um that was actually where i st- so first i purchased the smart grinder and i had some issues with it and then i returned it and got the preciso so i didn't really spend a whole lot of time with the smart grinder and i'm not going to say a whole lot of bad things about it because their support was also very good um from breville but it it locked up on me fairly quickly and i think it was in the process of trying to go back and forth between filtered coffee and espresso so 
their support staff wasn't entirely supportive of me grinding at the finest settings that I was. Um, so wasn't sure that it was entirely meant specifically for the kind of espresso that I was doing at the time. Um, but I, as a filter grinder, I, if I would have just dedicated it for that, I'm, I'm sure it would have been great. Um, and it's in that same kind of mid tier. I mean, it's a, it's about, it was a hundred dollars less like, than the Preciso, I think at the time when yeah, I bought it. Looks it looks like yeah, so. $200. Yeah. Um, from what I'm just quickly bringing up. And it's cool. I mean, it's got a digital, uh, digital readout, per, you know, programmable and can, you can set everything via dials and, and on-screen menu options and stuff. And it's yeah, got it this. seems to have a lot of really nice features. It, it, it also has a, a vacuum or not vacuum seal, but it has a, a closable container, like a portable container that you grind into and, and then you could plug the top of it up and then take it with you, which is kind of handy if you're traveling. Yeah. Aside from that, I, I didn't really have a lot of other experience with other filter grinders that were, you know, in that same price point. Well, and let's, let me mention here too, just, um, just as a comparison, I think that, uh, I think a lot of the uh, hand grinders, whether that be the Porlex or whether it be the Hario, you're not, I don't think you're going to find a consistency like you would even in like a Baratza Encore. But I, I have had success and now I don't want this to be quoted or anything. I've not done particle size distribution or anything like that on it. But in terms of quality and taste and extraction, I'm finding similar qualities with both the Lido and the knock to like in my, my Vario range mm, or, really? but and, and the reason I'm saying not because I feel like I get really clean results from the Vario. Uh, and I guess the general word online is that it might hang closer with your Preciso Barazza level. Mm. So the price point is, a is probably uh, the, the Lido might be around the same price. The knock, I think is a little cheaper than that electric grinder level. But the quality of the burrs that are in those hand grinders might give you a result that's close to that that mid-range that we're talking excuse me, that we're talking about right now for an electric grinder. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's a good point. Um, you know, you can you can save some money um on a hand grinder and get the the same quality as a, a more expensive uh electric model, you know. Uh, if you look at like the Lido three is uh, like one ninety five, mm-hmm. um, which I th- it's just below like the Baratza Virtuoso, um, but I think honestly I we we started carrying them uh, a little while ago, uh, the Lido three that is, um, and what I've found is that it it performs even a little bit better than the Preciso. Like I've got a Preciso at home and I use it for espresso all the time. Um, and, you know, the Lido being a stepless grinder, you know, it's a little finicky in terms of adjusting it and figuring out, you know, um, you know, how many notches past zero or where your zero point is and that sort of thing. But, right. um, you know, if you feel like, especially with espresso, if you're like, oh, well, I just need to go like a tiny bit finer on the Preciso, you can do that. You still have steps. They're distinct steps, but um, they are fairly they are fairly fine toothed. I mean, the, the Lido, though, you can really just, like, take it just a hair and see what happens. Um, and I found that I, I have a little bit more flexibility in dialing in my shots with the Lido than I do with the Preciso. Um, but the the taste quality, um, at least, I, I mean, I use a, a La Pavoni, your Piccola, uh, like a lever espresso machine at home. 
Um, I found the taste quality is pretty similar though. So, you know, you, you get rid of the motor, you get a little bit more grind adjustment out of it. Um, but you have to grind it by hand and I don't know, there's, there's trade-offs back and forth, but in the end you have a really comparable grinder between that 195 and the 229, I think is what the Preciso is. Mm-hmm. Right. I just thought it was important to to note because I think it's it would it could be easy for somebody who who is unfamiliar with hand grinders to just assume a hand grinder cannot um, hang with an electric grinder or wouldn't produce the same results or the same quality. Right. So some people might enjoy wandering around the Lamborghini store, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I I feel like it it would be useful for us. Maybe it's not as relatable to people, but I feel like it's always fun to kind of talk about like if you just had all the money in the world, what would you go out and like buy as your first grinder dedicated for, for filter coffee A forte. There's only one answer. Well, that's the question. What, what is that answer for you, Steve? Uh, that's the Melkonig UK 43. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> 98 that's millimeter. A spend, that's a spendy grinder. It is. I don't have the shelf clearance in my kitchen to put one of those. Well, in, if you have all I. the money in the world, then you commission Melkonig to make one of those, uh, the like short and stout versions that they the, custom built for the baby uh, ones. Yeah. I think that's they were I only available in so Europe. <laughs> I was so disappointed to hear that. Um, <laughs> and they made a really limited run of them, but I think, uh, I think, John Gordon, um, he's a he's like a couple time UK BC champion. Um, I think he may have actually modified his own originally um, with like a, a shorter base. Um, but yeah, you know you can just uh, hack it yourself, make a shorter base, get the short hopper. You you don't need clearance. But yeah, the sky's the sky's the limit. It's the EK forty three. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and in the in the absence of being able to go hog wild like that, I, I'm the next step down from that in my mind was the thing that Brian just said, um, the Barazza Forte, which is a beast. I've just recently bought one. I was going to say you you would know, right? <laughs> I would. So I'd been eyeballing that thing for quite a while, and I decided to finally pull the trigger on it. And I was initially just shocked when i pulled it out of the box it is so heavy yeah i mean it's i don't i don't know if it's you know i don't know the ratio of metal to plastic in that grinder but it just feels all metal and heavy i mean it, it was probably they said it's like 15 pounds or something like that you know aside from that the grind consistency has been pretty amazing now it has something to do with the flat burrs versus conical burrs we could probably talk about that on another episode at some point. And, and I believe they have the same burr set in the Forte versus the Vario. They do. Um, so the, well, the Forte, the Forte comes in two flavors. You have the AP right. yeah. and the BG. So one of them is going to be a ceramic burr and is, they say is probably going to be more appropriate if you're going to use it as espresso and, or as a filter. Um, and the, the steel burrs or the, the BG option um, is going to be better if you're just going to be using it for filter. That's kind of what I dedicated this grinder to is just just filtered coffee and grinding coffee for the office as well as all my filters at home, and it's been pretty amazing. So anyway, th- these are some interesting options. But you know, if if money was no object, uh, I would have an EK43 in my house or two because <laughs> they're pretty. <laughs> Me too, Malcona. If you're listening, <laughs> well, whatever you have. <laughs> 
you have a Malconic grinder in your house, big guy. Well, it's for espresso, but yes, well, I do. Anyway, okay. What, so what you're suggesting is it needs a friend. It needs a friend. I, I think that's true. So that's a whole discussion on grinders. Grinders are very important. If you're just getting into specialty coffee, brewing, manually brewing coffee at home, get a good grinder. Don't, don't cheap out. You know, if, if your entire budget is $100, probably make sure at least 60 of those dollars, 70 of those dollars are, are spent in a good grinder. Yeah, just as a general rule of thumb. Right. If you if you have a crappy grinder, it, it, there's just only so much you're going to be able to do with the coffee right. um, in any brewing capacity. It's it's super important. So the next step, I feel like in brewing accurately at home is using a scale, which seems really simple. It's going to make things a lot more accurate and it's going to help you achieve much more repeatable results. The best part about a scale is that they you can get a really cheap scale that is totally you know gonna last you the entire time that you brew coffee yeah. the scale i use every day was 14 dollars, and it is made by um it is aws okay. and i i don't know if there's a specific store that sells them but i know you can get them on amazon and the rate kind of changes between i think i've seen them as low as like 12 dollars to about 20 dollars um it's the uh, I want to say it's like a SC2000. I feel like I should look this up yeah. because somebody's going to ask. I think that's um, right. It's like an SC2000. Um, they also make one that can be used as an adapter. So it, you can plug it in, um, use it on adapter as well. The mine is just batteries, but it's a very small footprint. It has a 2000 total weight, which for most brewing devices, even if it's a Chemex that you're using, is going to be able to hold everything, the device, the coffee grounds, the water added um, through the process. It's... It's a little like four inch footprint. Um, you see it in a I, lot as uh, shot scales uh, for espresso yep. machines. Now, do you have? Does that also have a timer on it as well, or is it just no. just the the scale? It's just the scale, okay. but they there are um, there are like uh, oh, I hope I don't get the name wrong. Um, Brewista. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, recently at SCAA, um, showed off their scale, which is. A very similar looking scale in terms of its footprint, its size, um, and, and aesthetics. However, it does have a timer built in and some other interesting auto features, like an auto tear feature, um, which if you're not familiar with scales, then you don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, for those who are, a tear would basically be clearing the scale. So maybe you want to put your device on there. You press that tear button, it will go back to zero. So then you know exactly how much coffee you're adding to that weight um, and not the weight of everything altogether. But um, yeah, the, the Brewista scale, I was able to get uh, 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 one of the tester versions of that and uh, I've been really pleased um, with that scale as well. One of them stays at home and the SC is the one that I have at work. Now, it's not entirely critical that your scale also has a timer on it. They're, those two functions are mutually exclusive from one another. But at the same time, it is more convenient only have one device at your brew station at home or, or on yeah. your kitchen counter or whatever. I mean, I think most of us have cell phones with built-in like stopwatches exactly. or whatever for timers, but it yeah. is it is a lot handier to just hit, you know, a button on your scale that says, you know, start the timer. Now, I use the um I don't know the model. We'll put it in the show notes, but I use one of the uh the black Hario scales that also has a timer built into it. Um, I love that little thing. Uh, the buttons on it are just so responsive. 
you don't even have to click them. They're not like clickable buttons. You just tap on them and they start and you tap on them and they stop and you hold them down and they tear and clear and all that stuff. Love that scale. Uh, it's, I've actually have two of them and carry them, carry one of them in my backpack wherever I go. Um, they're great options, but I, I don't believe they're as cheap as the AWS uh, scales. No, they're uh, like in the, more like the $50 range. 40 to $50, somewhere around there. Yeah. Are there any like mid price options? Any other mid price options? The Jennings. Oh yeah, the um, Jennings. The CJ. 4, when I first 000. came into coffee, I, I thought that was the thing everyone had. Gotcha. Uh, the the CJ four thousand, um, and uh, Jennings. They have a scale, a couple buttons on it. Um, it's um, it's bigger than some of the other ones. It's got like a round footprint, and this the the base, the like display of it comes out. It's kind of weird looking, but um also a 4000 max capacity which uh is double That's quite a lot what the what the capacity of most scales are what is your filter scale of choice steve what do you use um so at home i've actually got three scales um i have the the hario drip scale the mm-hmm. um vst 2000 um i have i also have two american way scales um one of them, I don't know the model number. I think it's like AMW 2000, something like that. It's a two kilogram scale. Um, what I really like about it, it's got a nice bright display on the front. It's like blue backlit. Um, it has, I think, like three different weight settings. And I use it for like baking and stuff a lot too. So I use it for more than coffee. Um, so I'm, I'm one of those Alton Brown subscribers to, you, you know, I, I measure everything in grams and all that. <laughs> Um, but, uh, it also has an auto off feature. So, well, actually it has a toggleable auto off. So there's a little switch on the bottom that, um, you can either say, you know, have, have an auto off, um, or turn it off. And the auto off means that the scale turns off after, I think like two minutes of inactivity, um, which can be problematic. There are a lot of scales that have auto shutoffs that will shut off while you're in the middle of a brew because they don't detect enough change to prevent that from going off. So it's nice to have that just, you know, you just flick a switch and, you know, don't have to worry about that anymore. The function of a scale, you know, we talk about accuracy, you know, you talk about the maximum amount of weight it can hold and whether it has a timer or not, whether it has backlight or not. All those features are, you know, they, they tend to separate themselves somewhat, but for the most part, it's all you really need is a scale that can weigh a particular amount of coffee for a certain amount of time. Not that complicated. However, if you are shopping around the Lamborghini store, um, there are other options out there. And maybe not as spendy as like the big jump in grinder costs. Um, but I know a few of us here in the discussion are owners of the Akaya scale. Not not going to be the maybe the most spendy option but certainly one that's that's outside of lots of people's price point what what's the feature that the akaya offers that that you most enjoy that maybe sets it sets it apart from other scales uh i'm i'm very partial to uh, a precise readout and um the um quickness that it reads that so um Part of my issue with the Hario is that sometimes, um, not that I need something to be 0.1 or 0.01 degree uh, or, or grams accurate, but um, 
I feel like I can easily overshoot if I'm not following it as closely or if it's not keeping up with the change uh, as fast. And so the Hario I felt was a little slow. Um, the AWS scales I think are are pretty fast, but the the Akaya scales are are just really um, sensitive. And I think you can adjust the sensitivity on them as well. There, there's a lot of internal features of things that you can kind of adjust to to better tailor it um, to how you want the scale to to act. On, um, but uh, out of the box, I think the sensitivity is great. I think the accuracy are, is great and. Those two features to me are really important when I'm uh, brewing and wanting to, you know, when I'm when I'm doing a pulse pour and I'm wanting to be you know pretty particular about um, the the qu- uh, quantity of water I'm using for each pulse, or um, you know when I'm when I have a particular output that I want to achieve, um, I just I appreciate that accuracy and how quick. It reads out. And one of the neat features about the Akaya scale is it's also Bluetooth connected to your uh, smart device, whatever that might be. So there's an app that you can use to follow along and track a particular brew of coffee. Um, also to get more uh, information about the the weight and all these other settings that you were kind of talking about. It's honestly not a feature I use very frequently, but I did find it interesting that it popped up in competition this year. I think one of the competitors actually had four unique uh, Akaya scales and had smartphones out in front of each of the judges, and they were actually able to watch the uh, the brewing as it was going on. A pretty cool feature that that you probably would not get in any other any other scale that's out there right now. I don't think. Yeah, I think they're pretty exclusive with that. Uh, yeah. like the Bluetooth with the app. Right. Okay. So if you have a grinder and you have a good scale, or even you know, a fairly inexpensive scale, really. The next thing you're probably going to want to buy, if you don't already have one, is a kettle. Now, I will say that in our whole discussion about kettles, be very clear that there are some brew methods that do not require a fancy kettle. Uh, One of them being the clever dripper, which we already discussed. Um, You probably do not need a fancy kettle when you're talking about uh, a French press, either. Or an air press. Or an AeroPress, that's true. However, some brew methods do, and they function better when you have a kettle that's designed uh, to to give you a little bit more or a lot more control than something just pouring out of a, a big opening of a, of a standard kettle. The gooseneck kettles. Um, what's probably the cheapest gooseneck kettle uh, that you could buy? Like, what's, what's the price range? I don't know. That, that's kind of hard to say because there are a lot of kind of random gooseneck kettles especially now that they've become a more popular product you know if you go on um like amazon or even like alibaba or something you can find these these really interesting like oddly shaped look like they're probably meant for plants but they say that they're you know safe to use on a stovetop um you can find it for like 10 to 15 bucks in like a one liter size with a decent gooseneck um, I think more conventionally speaking, I think the cheapest I've found is probably around 30 or so. I know Abel has their level kettle. I think it's right around there. Um, the Bonavita stovetop gooseneck is right around there. Um, I don't know of many in the 20 to 30 price range, so I think 30 is probably where I'd say the lower end is. At, a, at the low end, maybe $20, $30, the uh, Hario Buono, however you want to pronounce 
that one. The sort of the the complementary beehive design uh, that Hario seems to adopt. So that's a that's an option. That was actually my first uh, gooseneck kettle, um, and I've I've loved it. Uh, one of the other interesting things about gooseneck kettles that we totally don't have time to talk about, but is kind of you know a topic that I'd never heard anybody discuss before, was flow restrictors. Uh, we can get all fancy and talk about flow restrictors at some other point, but you know it, there are actually other products that you can use to modify the flow rate of the water that comes out of your kettles, and they might be like uh, certain kind of plastic little plugs that you stick into uh, into the, into the spout. They're silicone a lot of the time. And they end up just restricting the amount of water that comes out and gives you more control over the flow instead of this huge rushing water coming out of the, out of the spout. I have one. It's a hundred percent BPA. 100%. (laughs) Nothing but BPA. (laughs) So I just recently got the PID controlled, electric i don't know the the bonavita gooseneck for my office and i love that thing i think it's great oh yeah um love mine. you you have two right brian i think i have three <laughs> but i have several <laughs> so many Th- those are those are great options now if you're looking at the high end of kettles that's probably going to be at the at the high end for most people unless you're going to go the copper bono route um or some of these other fancy materials um, but that electric gooseneck option, um, is, is useful if you're really wanting to dial in a specific temperature of water and have it, keep it at that temperature of water for some period of time. I see them a lot, pop up a lot in competitions and things like that. I've used Bonavita kettles. Now at first I didn't use the PID, um, temperature controlled one. I just used their, their tip, their electric gooseneck and hario makes um their bono kettle in an electric form too but to my recollection the bonavita is the only one that has um like a the temperature control um on it so you can say i wanted the water to be 207 degrees and it will you can it will get there and it will heat to that and then uh start and turn off or you can have it where it'll get there and it will hold that temperature um and yeah, and that's that's the one that you recently picked up, and I I think they're fantastic. Yeah. Um, that's why I have so many of them. I I just I love them. I have going back to what you're saying. I do have one with a flow restrictor in there, and one without. Um, that I keep on my brew bar. I am also a Bonavita variable temp user. Um, there you go. You know, I I think I started out with just like a generic like, you know. Hamilton Beach or something that I picked up, um, you know, just just a plain electric kettle. It's probably like twenty bucks. Um, that's how I got my start. You know, you can pretty reliably say water boils at like two hundred and twelve degrees, um, at least most of the places that I've lived. Um, so I would just boil it, let it cool down a little bit, and then start brewing my coffee. But I have had way better results and far more consistency since I started using a variable temp kettle. Um, I haven't gone full Todd Carmichael and glued the base down on mine yet, but uh, what I do do is I usually like in between pours I'll set it back down and uh, hit the hit the hold button or yeah. or what have you to to get the temperature. Oh well, they kick the heating element back on basically to get it, uh, you know, hold it at the temperature if it if it needs to. Um, but I mean, just 
the the difference that makes in a brew is surprising. Even if you have a like a, a larger plain electric kettle, um, it can cool down significantly um, if you're like pouring it into a pouring kettle. Um, and I mean, Jesus, you can really easily get a really sour brew um, just because your temperature is too low. Anyway, so those are kettles. Um, you know, nothing too exciting about kettles, but we definitely could talk about them in, in a whole lot more detail. So when you've got a grinder, you've got a good scale, you've got a good kettle. I mean, assuming that you have good quality coffee that's, that's freshly roasted and you have good quality water, which we can definitely talk about on, an, on another episode about water, what other gear might you need at whatever price point uh, to look into to brew coffee better at home? And, you know, I, I think, Steve, you, you just said something else about coffee that's not being brewed at proper temperatures tasting differently. So what kind of options for thermometers might, might you pick up to help that um oh man i mean there's there's all kinds i mean i at home i just use a a digital thermometer that i don't even know where i bought it from i don't know what brand it is i just picked one up um i tested it with boiling water and i tested it with ice water and it seemed to be accurate so um it's like a like a meat thermometer or something that does yeah, it have a digital a, readout just or? a digital probe thermometer i really like digital um uh, the uh, the analog ones, you know, they're nice. They can be accurate, but the problem is that they they take a while to settle on the the temperature. Something is. I just um, picked up, uh, not not to interrupt you, but uh, on the ThermoWorks uh, discussion about the ThermoPen, I just picked up their cheaper model, the ThermoPop. Oh it's yeah, actually, uh, it's like a thirty dollar uh, thermometer, and it comes in like a whole bunch of different colors. Um, digital readout. Uh, it also has like backlit and neat thing about it is you can actually adjust and rotate the display, uh, to, to point in different directions depending on the orientation of the thermometer, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, that was only 30 bucks on Amazon. There you go. Um, Brian, I know you have a thermo pen, right? Correct. And I almost got one of the thermo pops. The, the original reason why I got the thermo pen um, is a little bit drifting off from our conversation is because I was wanting to use it when I was using siphon brews and, um, the, the thermo, therm, the, the cheaper option, the thermo pop therm, one's thermo and one's thermo. I'm going to keep getting them wrong, but, um, the pop version, um, it, you'd still have to be directly above where the probe is. Right. Um, so in a, um, in a siphon, you'd still have a lot of that, um, steam coming up where the thermopin you can bend it on the side right so the probe goes down and then the body goes out um and i could read on the siphon but i i use that and my kettles all the time um but at this point since i don't do straight siphon brews as much um that cheaper alternative thermopop version would would be more ideal so there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of options though for um getting all of this information uh, delivered to you in sort of, you know, guides and how to's and helpful links. Uh, we're going to throw a bunch of links in the show notes, uh, for actually, Brian, you yourself created a list, sort of a holiday guide, I guess, of different products that you recommend. 
um, on your website, abandoncoffee.com. Uh, so we'll throw the link to that in the show notes. Um, one of our good friends uh, over at Dear Coffee, I Love You also put out a holiday guide of different products that they recommend as well. Um, so we're, we'll throw that in the show notes. And then Steve, you put together your own list for the holidays, um, which yours actually took an interesting turn uh, on Prima Coffee. How did you kind of structure that list uh, for people looking for, for products like this? Yeah, so, I mean, ours isn't necessarily geared toward um, beginners. You know, we wanted to... Um, what we created was basically a, a, a few sort of personas, um, like character types, to try and match up with, um, you know, the person that you might be shopping for uh, for the holidays. So, um, I mean, we've got, like, uh, the commuter. We've got uh, an iced coffee aficionado. We've got uh, the espresso connoisseur. Even the uh, the gadget lover, you know, Kickstarter backer kind of person, you know. So there's we we created these sort of personality types that are basically like, well, you know, if you're not really sure what kind of coffee brewing device um, they might want specifically, we can at least point you in a direction that gets gets you looking at some products that line up with you know who that person is or what they might like to do. So if you know that you know they've got um, they've got a V60 or something at home and you want to get them something to go with that V60, we've got some recommendations. Like you could get them a pouring kettle or you could even get them like a new filter or a server or something like that. Um, so there's, you know, we, we have these personalities and we just, you know, we wanted to create them because I think we all know, a you know, a person who might fit one of these. So, with regard to um, folks who are trying to get into coffee for the first time, you know, it might be helpful to take a look at this and say, all right, well, you know, which one of these is kind of most like me? Um, and, you know, I, I think that holiday guides um, are also, you know, not just Prima Coffees, but like, you know, Dear Coffee, I Love You and, and all those, um, you know, they do a pretty good job of just sort of condensing into a list a, a bunch of nice, worthwhile coffee products. And, you know, not all of those are going to be brewing devices. Sometimes they're just fancy um, servers or something ornate to deal with coffee that would make a good gift. But a lot of the time they do have brewing devices. Um, so it's a, a, a lot of those lists are really good resources for just kind of scoping out what's out there and checking out the products that you might want to um, might want to take a look at and maybe pick up uh, as part of your your first little brewing kit. Prima Coffee is one that uh, you know around the holidays you'll usually see specials. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, coffee gear sites will will run certain promotions around Black Friday, um, uh, Cyber Monday sort of things. Able Coffee and I, and I bring that up uh, purely because um, a lot of people coming over from um, you know K cups and French press or sludgy old types of coffee they might still want some of that um french press uh style and and the able cone which i have we haven't even talked about it uh on the mic uh so far but uh i feel like it's a really nice body and cup uh quality that a lot of people will probably be really pleased with and um and the cone filters um 
you can usually get at a good price around that time too. Um, they they slash prices on like their aero presses and the aero press filters that they have the, the metal discs for with those as well. And um, obviously the the kettles, the level kettles, um, are you can find on Able. I'm not sure. I've not picked one up to know if those are usually a part of those sales. But um, Prima and Able are usually two sites that I always check around those times of the year um, for for coffee gear. And Amazon too. I mean, a lot of these products that we're talking about are also available on Amazon and they usually have a lot of great Black Friday deals. Uh, This past month, I would say they had the Amazon Prime Day. And one of the deals, one of the lightning deals during that time was the Bonavita uh, PID kettle. And it was, I think it was like $25 off the standard price, which was pretty great. Um, I didn't need to pick one up, but you know, it was definitely something that I saw flying around, uh, folks that I follow on Twitter. They were throwing the link, link to that around a lot. Um, so yeah, you can, you know, sometimes just keep your eyes peeled and see, see whether, uh, products are showing up even on eBay. Some of these products, you know, might find their way out to eBay, especially even like fancy older style Chemexes or products, you know like older kettles or maybe even older like stovetop you know brewers and interesting sort of antique finds you can usually keep your eyes peeled on eBay for stuff like that as well in terms of i mean there's also i mean you mentioned eBay you know there's also other places that you can find um used equipment so like um like i said i kind of got my start by um hanging around the coffee geek forums a lot and they have a whole buy sell section on that site and you know, you can just uh, buy equipment from, you know, granted a stranger on the internet, but um, <laughs> it's worked out for me. Like that's where I got my first Kalita. Um, I think I bought, I don't remember. I think I bought like an AeroPress or something on there once. Um, and there's a couple other coffee farms that have similar things, but you know, there's also um, like coffee retailers like Prima, you know, have, Sometimes they have like buyer's remorse or used or scratch and dent sections. Um, we've got that sort of stuff on our, if you go to the primacoffee.com slash deals, um, there's a whole bunch of like uh, used and scratch and dent gear up there. Um, not a lot of manual brewing equipment, but there's some grinders and like, um, I think there's like a tamper or a French press or something. I think we had some kettles too. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of good ways to find deals if you're just kind of keeping an eye out. And if you're, you know, if you're willing to pick up a kettle that's maybe had some water boiled in it before, you know, big deal, uh, you can probably save like 10 to 15 bucks on it. So if you've recently got started brewing coffee at home and you've picked up any of these products or you have picked up something else, we would love to hear about your experience as you've gotten started with coffee. Um, If you have a particular product that you absolutely love that we haven't even talked about, uh, let us know. Um, Also, you know, if you're getting into this discussion and you haven't picked up anything and you have any questions uh, that you'd like for us to answer that if you don't see anything that's going to be helpful in the show notes, we'd love to to help you out. Uh, send us an email or uh, send us a conversation on social media. Just make sure you tag uh, hashtag IBMOC talk uh, so we can have a discussion and help you out in any way that we can. Um, thanks Steve for being a guest on the show for being our very first guest actually that's super cool yeah thanks for having me guys steve if 
if somebody wanted to find you or Prima online or on social networks, where would they go? Uh, well, Prima is at prima-coffee.com. Um, pretty easy to find. Uh, we're also on social media. I'm pretty sure our handle is Prima Coffee, just at Prima Coffee. Um, I'm pretty much everything. Um, but like Twitter, Instagram, Periscope, those are some of my favorite ones. And um, we'd love to see you over there. Um, for me, I'm at Steve Reinhardt. Um, I'm sure you guys can throw up a link. Um, I'm that on Instagram and Twitter as well. So, you know, you can look at me posting my photos of coffee slash my dog. And his single group slayer. <laughs> and my single group slayer. Yeah. So good. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, you can find us online at Instagram at I Brew My Own Coffee, on Twitter at Brew My Own Coffee. Uh, we'd love for you to shoot us an email if you can or if you'd like to at ibrewmyowncoffee.com. Just click the contact us link at the top of the page. Thanks for listening, and we definitely look forward to, uh, to hearing more from you about manually brewing. Good night, everybody. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs>